0: We go in, and we're like, oh, let's just get five. Like, Who would eat 10 of these little things? You know, we get five. <laughs> they 25 bring, later. Yeah, yeah, they bring it over. Exactly. We, we just housed it. That was the first time I ever liked onions, because they give you a big plate of raw oh, onions. Yeah. And I'm like, I hate onions. I'm not going to eat them. And everyone else was eating it with onions. And I tried it, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I like onions. It was an epiphany, man. Now I eat onions all the time. <laughs> so again, I think it's the experience, <laughs> the right? The like turned Travis to onions. It turned like that. me to onions, man. Now I eat them raw all the time. food. It's one of the major reasons that I love traveling. One of the things that I love doing is debating about the food in different countries. You know, what country has the best food? What country has the worst food? It's really open for discussion and debate because everyone has different taste buds. And that's one of the things we're going to debate today is what European countries have the best food. But one of the things that I think is not open for debate is what travel backpack you should get. You know that I have been traveling with my Tortuga backpack for the last two and a half years, and I absolutely love it. So if you are looking for the best travel backpack out there, head on over to our good friends over at Tortuga Backpacks. That's tortugabackpacks.com, and use the special discount that they're giving to EPOP listeners. All you have to do is put in EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters, and that will get you 10% off your entire order. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more while spending less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is someone who I've been talking and dreaming about food with for over 23 years, all the way back to the days when we'd steal tasty cakes out of Dave's pantry, (laughs) one of my best friends and fellow food lover, Nick Hirsch. Nick, what's up, buddy? Not much, Trav. How are you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. Both of us are halfway snowed in, right? Me up here in Philadelphia and you down there in D.C.
1: Yeah. Well, the the snow immediately melted upon landing, I guess. It it was like 50 degrees the day after, so it's been a lot. uh, It's been a little bit weird down here weather-wise.
0: Yeah, I am super excited to have you back on because... I was actually looking through, you've now been on, this will be the fifth episode of the Extra Pack of Peanuts podcast you've been on, but it's been a while because back in episode 110, we did the best winter destinations in Europe. I actually recorded that as I was sitting in Thailand by a pool, which is pretty funny. (laughs) I remember
1: being insanely jealous at the time, actually. Yeah, I was sitting on the exact same couch I'm sitting on now, so... (laughs)
0: And then we did we did episode 97 and 98. That was back in October of 2014. We discussed our top 20 travel books. It was so long that we obviously had to split, split it into two. And yeah. the first time you came on, we did uh, episode 83. You talked about what life was like as a foreign diplomat because you work with the US Foreign Service, which is pretty cool. And I still get a lot of comments on that because people are you know interested in that. If you're a traveler and you're someone who enjoys seeing parts of the world, that's a pretty cool gig for the most part, right?
1: Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, and it only gets cooler and more interesting with time. But and I think a lot of people in the U.S. know fairly little about it, so it's always cool to talk about that job.
0: Yeah, and talking about the books too. I it's funny because I say way back in October 2014, I wanted to have you on and do another 20 travel books one, but I I've been racking my brain to try to come up with more travel books, but I haven't I haven't read anything that awesome. Since Sense then that I can think about. Have you just just no. we can throw and it out And actually,
1: there. it's funny. Like, um, I think even at the time, it was it was hard for us to come up with like twenty or ten a piece that we actually really liked. There was a lot of like, oh, I thought this would be interesting, but in actuality, kind of was crappy. Or like, oh, the location was really cool, but the writing was kind of weird. Um, yeah, it's 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 an uh, it's an odd category. I think travel writing at times
0: yeah and, and we talk about that on that podcast, so if you guys are interested we won 't dive into it too much but i i 'm always i 'm always amazed that there isn 't more travel books that I really really like because obviously I love travel I think it lends itself to this type of you know to books and to, and to reading and like putting yourself in that position and things like that but I just yeah, recently, I haven't had anything that I've loved. I keep going back to that podcast. Whenever I'm sitting there holding my Kindle thinking, what should I read? <laughs> I like pull that podcast up on my phone and scan through. I'm like, oh, what did Nick say that he liked? And then I will usually pick something out. But yeah, I don't know why there aren't more travel yeah, books don't. that I like.
1: No, I, I, uh, I'm in the same boat, dude.
0: But there's one thing I do like all the time, and that is eating. Um, and what, what prompted this, we should tell people what prompted this specific podcast, we're going to be doing another podcast, so we're a little spoiler alert here, where we talk about our, our top 10 um, favorite international cities, and that'll be coming out a little after this podcast, but we were talking about that. And then I happened to see a Thrillist article, which do you read Thrillist very often?
1: Uh, I do because of Lee Breslauer who uh, writes for Thrillers now. So I, I'll see his articles and read, and then it's mostly you know what you just see on Facebook. So somebody will link to something and like, "Oh, that sounds good," and I'll go in and read the article and and you know giggle as I read through it. Um, it's always good stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think that's how I found this one was our buddy Dave, who's the Tasty Cake guy, the one whose <laughs> Tasty Cakes we used to steal out of the pantry. He was friends with Lee in college. We both then became friends with Lee. And Lee writes for Thrillist and he sent me an article, oh, you should check this one out. And then I fell down the, uh, the Thrillist rabbit hole because all their <laughs> stuff is so intriguing. It's always like, you know, the top 15 places to eat in Philly right now. And you're like, well, I got to click that. And then it's yeah. like the top 12 new bars in Philadelphia. Like, well, I got to click that. And you just... It's you get prob- sucked in. Yeah. It is. They do such an awesome job just, uh, you know, having all their stuff relate to each other. Um, great job, Thrillist. No wonder you're making a lot of money. And Agreed. Uh, and becoming so good. And their articles are funny. So I, I stumbled upon this one that said, all 48 European countries ranked by food and drink. And I thought, and and I remember texting you thinking, oh, man, because I was sitting with Heather and our other friend, Napkins. I'm like, oh, let, let's try to guess what the top 10 are for this, right? And then I said, oh, I should ask Nick because Nick's kind of like the European expert. Um, and, <laughs> uh, and then we thought, well, this would just make a good podcast. So why don't we do it as a podcast? And uh, here we are.
1: Awesome. Let's do it.
0: So first, what we're going to do, guys, is I'm going to read through all 48 European countries. I'll do it pretty quickly, but I'm going to give you what Thrillist said. And, and I quote, this is why we decided to do it as a podcast, because Nick actually said to me in a text message, I, I can give this away, what you said, right? Oh, I, yeah, go ahead. said, I would say we know better than two or three writers who once went around Europe on a Eurorail pass 10 years ago what the best European countries were. So... We agreed. <laughs>
1: that's great. Now that you've sold it like that.
0: We agreed. We have an outlet uh, to do it. And that's how this podcast came about. So all 48 country- European countries ranked by food and drink. Offhand, do you know how many European countries you've been to? Like what would be an estimate? Because you've been to more than I have.
1: Um, I think of at least EU countries, I'm missing three. So I haven't been to Estonia and I haven't been to Cyprus or Portugal.
0: Okay. But so, I think and, I've been to the
1: rest. To and search, I've been to Portugal,
0: so I covered there we that. Go. So, I mean, it is it will be a somewhat comprehensive list between the, <laughs> between the two of uh, us. So here we go with Thrillist's article. And they do say that they haven't been... They've been to 39 of the 48 that's, countries that's on this. That's impressive, though. That's yeah. definitely impressive. And I think there's two or three writers. There's two writers on this. So, yeah, pretty impressive. Here we go. From 48 down to one. Nick, just throw in uh, your snarky comments as, as they come about. <laughs> Happily. 48 is Vatican City, 47, the Faroe Islands. I don't even know where that is.
1: Although, I did. There was a New York Times article last year about how the Faroe Islands are like becoming a food destination. So. Oh. I haven't been there, but I've heard good things.
0: Oh, well, man. If, if there's 46 better countries and they're a food destination. Yeah. 46 is Montenegro, which we've both been to. 45 Andorra. 44 Monaco. 43 Liechtenstein. So you get a bunch of these. Obviously, tiny countries.
1: Yeah, and and little countries that you know don't have their own food culture. But like, how can you say Vatican City is the worst city in in Europe for food when it's basically just Rome, which is like the best? So, right. I guess
0: know. is there even a restaurant inside I, it sounds like of there's Vatican? One, but yeah, I guess that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, um, forty two is Ukraine, forty one Kosovo, forty Iceland, thirty nine Estonia, thirty eight Luxembourg, thirty seven Malta.
1: And Malta, having spent a week there, I can. I would say Malta's is further down this list than than, than uh, 37. It's not, the food was not
0: too good. All right. 36 yeah. Moldova, which I hear they've got a lot of good alcohol there, but yeah,
1: food. I, the world's largest wine cellars apparently in Moldova, right. but uh, I don't know about the food.
0: And I had heard that. It must've been from you. Who else would have told me that? I, that random European know. fact. 35 Lith- Lithuania, 34 Romania, 33 Norway, 32 Slovenia, 31 Slovakia. I feel like there they're just Come on. Is 32 Slovenia and 31 really Slovakia, or is that just a convenience thing on this? I list?
1: think it's just a convenience thing. You know, this is all about the bottom 10 and the top 10, I imagine, and then the 30 in the middle are just kind of the random ones right. they threw in.
0: I, I agree. We go 32 Slovenia, 31 Slovakia, 30 Serbia, 29 Belarus, 28 Latvia, 27 Finland, 26 Albania. Now, I'm
1: surprised Albania. Like, that's just an odd country to to plunk in the middle there above other countries. But hey, who knows? Yeah. Uh,
0: 25 Russia. 24 Poland, 23 Macedonia, 22 Czech Republic. So we're starting to get into when you get in the 20s, some of these are, are pretty good because Czech Republic's got some good food there.
1: Yeah, and it's you know it's basically a lot of it's so German, and then a lot of it's so Eastern European. It's it's sort of a good melting pot of Central European food, I guess.
0: Yeah, I would agree. 21 Bosnia and Herzegovina.
1: I'm, that's it's cool that they're so high. I mean, they have awesome food, but I think it's I'm surprised to see it so high.
0: Yeah, 20 is Cyprus. 19 is Sweden. And I haven't been to any of the Scandinavian countries. So is Sweden really, like 19 Sweden, 33 Norway. Are they that distinct? I mean, this might be naive I, on my part. I'm but a little
1: surprised that they're that distinct. I think Sweden's got more diversity. Like they have a lot of Middle Eastern immigrants. Um, so I could see there being a bit more sort of variety of their, in their food than elsewhere.
0: Yeah, I, I was surprised. I mean, that's a pretty big jump between those two. Fairly similar countries. Um, yeah. 18 is Ireland. 17, the Netherlands. 16, Austria.
1: Fi- Austria yeah, Austria. I'm, I, I love Austrian food, but I guess it is sort of one note to a certain extent.
0: Yeah. 15 is Denmark. 14, Bulgaria, which I've never been to, but was actually, when I read this list, very surprised that Bulgaria was this high.
1: Yeah. Well, there's a lot of Greek food there, I guess. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I'm surprised that it's this high too, um, a lot of meat grilled meat and that kind of stuff. But
0: hey, why not? Hey, here must here was probably the thing I was most surprised about. I thought this would be much worse, like much lower in the rankings, meaning a worse country. 13, the UK. And see, okay, here's my thought. Uh, obviously, it has a lot of diversity. You go to London, you could get any type of food you want. But as far as just traditional UK dishes, I mean, the food is so bad.
1: Yeah, I, but I think it is getting much, much better. And I think what they've done is taken a lot of their like traditional food, like the sort of rural English food and really snazzed it up over the last 10 or 15 years. But yeah, I agree. In general, it's it's kind of known for its crappiness, but I think it's, they've actually, you know, there's so many immigrants, there's, it's such a multicultural uh, country. I think they're really starting to, to mix foods and really starting to snazz it up a bit.
0: Yeah, and to me, that's that's probably the one country out there where it's, it's a, such a huge tourist destination, but you mm-hmm. wouldn't go for the food. Like almost anywhere else in the world, that when you think of these major tourist destinations, you're like, oh man, awesome food here, awesome food, like, you know, Thailand, Paris, Italy, stuff like that. Right. It's funny that UK is probably, if you were to go down the destination of most touristed areas, probably the place with the worst food, unless I'm missing something else.
1: No, I I I think that's that's totally totally right. But it does seem like it's the last couple of years it's really sort of reinvented itself in terms of food. And you're starting to see a lot of like French and Italian chefs go there and open restaurants and really become ex- successful. So, hey, who knows?
0: Can't hurt. I mean, I like going to that to the UK overall, so there we go. Yeah. Um 12 San Marino. And- I any thoughts? San Marino, a I mean, tiny country, being ranked this high?
1: Yeah, and it's—I guess it's what what really recommends it. it's just that it's you know in the middle of northern Italy, which is like one of the best food places on earth. So maybe that's what does it. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, 11 is Greece. I actually thought Greece might be ranked. I mean, 11 is pretty high. I thought they might be ranked a little better, actually, um, since Greek food is, you know, pretty world renowned. Um, yeah,
1: and pretty good stuff. Yeah. I agree.
0: Ten is Hungary. Nine is Portugal, which you can't comment on. Nope. Um, <laughs> which is still su- <laughs> you won't let me. super surprising to me that, uh, yeah, that you've never been to Portugal of all places. Eight is Switzerland. Seven is Croatia. Habit,
1: going back, having lived in Switzerland, are you surprised that it's that high? Yeah,
0: I it should not be eight. I would put it somewhere in the 20s. That's another country that with the UK you know obviously huge tourist destination their food is not bad and you can get really good food in switzerland but traditional swiss food yeah uh, yeah i mean i mean they they list it on here they say cheese and chocolate like is why they rank it that high so i guess okay there are specific things that are really good but as as a culinary destination i would never say like you got to go to switzerland right i i would agree with that um seven is croatia yeah, which might come up again uh, 6 is Belgium 5 is Germany 4 is Georgia oh yeah
1: that, this, that might come up again too. Okay,
0: this was very surprising because I've never been to Georgia but you speak very highly of it so I was oh, thinking yeah. that might show up on a list 3 is Spain, 2 is France and 1 is Italy you know
1: like we mocked it before but going through their top 10 they're uh I think they're other than maybe like Belgium like what's Belgium doing on there Right. Um, I guess chocolate, but otherwise, yeah, that's that seems pretty good to me.
0: It it seems like a a list that someone would put together. Also, if they didn't really know, like if you hadn't been to all the countries, you know, your your guesses would be like, oh, Spain, Italy, France. But you know, that's because they like just because they're the obvious choices doesn't make them the bad choices. So I agree. Right. There's, I think there was a good mix on this list of kind of obscure places like, like Georgia. Like, I've never been to Georgia. Um, I don't know anything about the food. So that's on there at number four. You know, you have Croatia, which is kind of a little bit of an outlier. Um, Hungary, you know, stuff like that, mixed in with kind of, I guess we'd say, the big boys of European food. What was the most surprising one on that list for you? Um, if you could think of one. I was surprised that
1: Belgium and Switzerland were in the top 10. I, you know, I don't think I'd, I'd have a horrible meals in either country, but it's just sort of, you know, it's a lot of like cheese and potatoes and I guess chocolate in both of those countries, you know?
0: Yeah. I, I, also, for me, Switzerland being ranked number eight was definitely the, the most surprising. And then the one that I thought was the worst ranked, we'll get into that. Cause this actually made my, my top five list. It was in the thirties for their list. So that would, to me was the most surprising, uh, you know, I can understand why they said it, but to me it was, it was much better The most surprising, worst ranked place. So, All right, we've gone through Thrillist's list. All right, we've gotten, we've made some comments on the uh, 48 countries, some, most of which we've been to if we we combine our powers here. But now I want to hear, we're each going to do our top five places in Europe. This wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be for me. Like it was easy. I I originally thought that it was going to be hard, like I I would have to go to 10 places because there were so many places I wanted to list on here. But I actually, when I started paring it down, I found it fairly easy. What did you think? Was it easier than you thought?
1: It it actually, yeah, you're right. It totally was. I mean, I think the top three kind of, you know, are obvious to everyone who's ever eaten in their entire lives, you know. Um, And then there's always like one or two outliers that people like from personal experience, you know.
0: Uh, we'll get into my list when we go through it. I, I threw a few curveballs there because I wanted to be, I guess, contrarian. But let's go with your. Let's start with you, and we'll count down from five to one. So, what is your number five country for the best food in Europe?
1: So this is where I totally align with Thrillist. I love Georgian and like Armenian, Caucasian food. Um, it's just fantastic. And actually, if you've traveled anywhere in the former Soviet Union, it's those are the best restaurants to go to. I mean, the best restaurant in Kiev is a Georgian place. Some of the best restaurants in Lithuania were Armenian places. You know, it, it, I think the Caucasus is this perfect mix of where like the better aspects of Russian food, whatever those might be, um, meets with like the awesomeness of Middle Eastern food and Iranian food and Turkish food. Um, so you get awesome fruits and vegetables. Uh, Georgia, especially, a lot of it's a warmer climate. So you get really good uh, fruits and vegetables. You have awesome meats like the the grilled meats, um, really good like goat and and lamb and mutton, that kind of stuff. And then you also have cheese and this awesome bread that's like nowhere else on earth and like bread baked with cheese and meat inside of it. (laughs) How can you
0: go wrong? Yeah.
1: And then Georgia is also like the birthplace of wine to a large extent. So you have like one of the world's oldest wine cultures – Um, So you get some fantastic wine there too. So yeah, no, I I think Georgia uh, is one of the best places to eat in Europe easily.
0: So just a gem that kind of sticks out in that region.
1: You also have a coast there, so you get some fish mixed in. It's just this perfect melting pots of like totally different uh, food culture while also having a really good um, history of food as well. I mean, you know, such an old culture.
0: Now the real question is: Georgia the country better than Georgia the state with fried chicken and oh, Coca Cola? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah,
1: that's that might just be my opinion, but
0: yeah. One <laughs> one thing that you mentioned too: you lived in Lithuania for what two years? It was right. Yeah, it was a
1: little less. It was like a year and a half or so. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, just just a year and a half. So maybe you can't comment on yeah, this. Right. But uh, Lithuania ranking number thirty five on Thrillist's list is that is that appropriate? Is Lithuanian food kind of dire?
1: I think so. And I think, you know, I think a lot of these countries have really good food traditions, but, you know, four or five decades under the Soviet Union really kind of killed that. I mean, um, with the exception of a place like Georgia, where it is warm enough that you could grow things year round and have sort of, you know, a a fruit and vegetable garden year round that you can have your uh, own food from, you know, a country like Lithuania, where it's cold and you can't really grow much uh, outside of the summer you know, you just really ended up with this meat and potato diet. Um, and it's starting to get better now with the EU and like a Lithuanian grocery store is really, really nice these days. They'll have, you know, fruit and vegetables from Spain and Italy. Um, so it's getting better and they do have great food, but it's, it's very specific, I think. And it's very like meat, potato, cabbage
0: heavy. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do think that Georgia, from anyone that, that has been there, you as well as some other people who read the Extra Pack of Peanuts site, and I've, like, I've probably gotten more emails about going, like telling me to go to Georgia than all the other countries in that area combined. I don't know. It just seems to have a hold on people. Um, It does.
1: It's it's magical. It's beautiful. I I definitely think you should go at some point.
0: All right. Get that plane ticket. Here we go down to Georgia. Um, My number five, this is where I throw kind of a curveball out there. It it could have been France. It's not going to be France. Uh, I love the pastries and the bread, but to me, like... French cuisine is like that hoity-toity, really nice meals, which which are usually generally pretty good, but not exactly my style, I guess. I mean, they're good, but I don't want something that's like an ounce big of meat, and it costs me like $50. So uh, not putting it on there for that reason. Could have been Austria. Love the food in Vienna, but Austria is very much like my number five. And then I also left Spain off, which... Um, Yeah, I like Spanish food overall, but I couldn't point to a specific, like when I was thinking of this, I couldn't point to a specific thing that I really loved about Spanish food or even a specific dish. Like when I go to Spain, I enjoy it. It's good, but I don't feel like I would travel there just as a food destination. And I can't think of like, oh, what would be my number one Spanish dish? Like, so... That kind of—I don't know. I, again, all three of those are decent countries. But my number five, the one that, that snuck on this list, was um, Germany. And I, I don't know. We may talk about this. You've spent a lot of time in Germany. For me, there is a lot of—obviously, you can get anything you want in Germany because, you know, very multicultural cities, especially Berlin. The food in Berlin rocks. Um You know, I just had amazing uh, Middle Eastern food, amazing everything in in Berlin, and uh, I loved when I was in Munich. And I was there for Oktoberfest, so that probably sways the decision making (laughs) a little bit, right? It's like when we talk about travel, like it's 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 the experience maybe, and the people you with even more than like where you are. But the huge pretzels at Oktoberfest, and the bread is really good in Germany. Yeah, even though I'm trying to cut down, trying to slim down and stay away from the carbs, I mean, (laughs) Germany, carb heavy, but awesome. So um, I think that coupled with the amazing atmosphere when I was in Munich for Oktoberfest and the great food in Berlin, that's why Germany's number five on my list.
1: No, I, I totally agree. And I think Germany is such a big country with so many influences from outside and especially with the Turkish influence these days. You know, you can't you can't go wrong with 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 German food while also having a really strong food culture of its own.
0: Right. And I think that like German food, if someone was saying, oh, my parents are German, like, I, you know, if they're living in the States, my parents are German, I'm inviting you over for a traditional German meal. I, yeah, I wouldn't be near as excited as some of these other countries. But yeah, like you said, overall, I've had really good eating experiences in Germany as a whole. So number five. Um, yeah,
1: I think that's fair. What's your number four? So my number four is, uh, is actually France. So I I do love French food. I I think for Americans with French food, it, it's hard because so much of French influence has leaked into our food without us even really realizing it. The things that seem weird to us when we hear about it are things that are actually we've been eating our entire lives. You know, does that make any sense? The way like our sauces are built, things like mayonnaise that sound kind of disgusting, <laughs> but which everyone uses all the time. Like <laughs> that's, all, that's all actually French food. Um, and I think it's just really sort of seeped into... American life without us even really realizing it. Um, What I really like about France though, and Marissa and I were talking about this and she pointed out like just French grocery stores. So I, I've been to French restaurants that I really liked. I've been to a lot of French restaurants in France that I wasn't as impressed with, but France makes you feel like a better cook. Like if you go to the grocery store and you buy the ingredients to make the same thing you would make in the States and then you go home and you cook it, it's somehow so much better. Their ingredients are better. I mean, it sounds kind of weird, but it's totally true. Um, if, if you go to a French grocery store and buy bread and butter and go and eat it on a park bench, I mean, that can be like a life-changing experience like that. It sounds so stupid, but like French butter with like the sea salt in it and good French bread, oh my, you can't beat
0: that. I I would have to agree. And that's if I was going to put France on, and and I probably could have, I should have, maybe even. But this, damn it, this is my list, man, um, <laughs> or our list. Um, but I agree, like that's what I do love about France. Like, I sure the awesome, really expensive restaurants can be hit and miss. You know, probably more hits than misses overall, right? But the yeah the the baguettes like this what Heather and I would do when we were in Paris and we were there for 10 days we didn't want to like run through our whole life savings in 10 days so we would go to a little baguette place get baguettes get some meat from the groceries. you're right about the groceries. everything is I think in Europe in general, but especially France, it, the grocery stores aren't usually as big and it's just, everything seems and probably is fresher and you don't have as much selection, which is a good thing because then you're getting fresh things instead of pre-packaged stuff. And we would go and we'd get meats and and cheese and grab a bottle of wine from the grocery store and we'd go sit on, like you said, sit on a park bench, go to Luxembourg Gardens, go to the Eiffel Tower. And those were definitely the best meals that we yeah, had France. Yeah, it's incredible. In France.
1: And the wine, too, like, I'm sure they do a good job of just keeping their best stuff there. But, you know, we went to, like, the French equivalent of, like, a Walmart. So, like, not the place you'd expect to find the best stuff. And they had this four-euro bottle of Burgundy, so made from, like, Pinot Noir grapes, which was one of the best bottles of wine I've had in my entire life. I think we bought that store out of that kind of wine. And it was just fantastic. And, yeah, France never ceases to amaze me for that. And I think... Especially in Paris, where, you know, as, as an American who doesn't speak French, I'm not really going to know the best restaurants to go to. I mean, no matter how hard I try, I think there would be this level of, of French cuisine I could never have access to in restaurants. Um, uh, but the, just the grocery stores and the quality of the markets and what you can get there is, is really
0: hard to beat. Agreed. I, I your point of going into the grocery stores. That that might be the country with the best grocery stores. That could be mm-hmm. that could be a whole nother podcast. Because yeah. I love going into grocery stores. It's one of my favorite things to do when I'm traveling. I'm, oh yeah. You, you know, Sound like
1: John Hirsch now, but yeah. <laughs> the man lives is. for outdoor market.
0: <laughs> it is. It's so true that um the, the grocery stores there are fantastic, and, and um, yeah, the wine is so cheap and so mm-hmm. good, and I'm not even a wine drinker, so this is coming from someone who wouldn't even be able to tell you what a Pinot Noir was. I assume that's a red, but I, I don't even know, man. I don't it know is. anything. It right? is. Um, noir, yeah, I, I kind of knew that. So anyway, I, I, I have to give it to you. Um, you've made a very good case for France. I'm actually surprised that France... You know, I think for most people, when you're talking about one and two, there's two countries that are up there battling. Obviously, France is usually one of them, not on our list. So that's kind of interesting. But, yeah, I mean, I would never tell someone, don't go to France if you like (laughs) eating. It's just, for me, it's a different style. And uh, it's not those upper-level restaurants because, like you said, I I either can't afford it or— I don't know. Yeah, what you just to don't get. know where to go,
1: and yeah. I think there was, you know, you, you hear about like the rankings of the best restaurants in Paris, and I would never be able to get a table there. You know, right. it's just not how it is.
0: But yeah. The, the, yeah, the bread and the butter and the cheese and the meat and the wine. I mean, that does it. My number four is is gonna be is a little unique, and I think you're gonna be happy about this. Hopefully, you're gonna be happy about this because this could be your future home um, no. fairly soon. And my number four is Bosnia and Herzegovina, oh, wow. and I'm throwing it a little curveball here, and I've only actually been in Sarajevo and Mostar, Mm -hmm. so only those two areas of Bosnia, which, I mean, it's a pretty small country, so... Yeah, that's that's a good representation. (laughs) There's not that much more to see, but A, I was surprised by the country overall after you told me to go. I love that country. It was, I think I said this to you before, and I said it on the podcast, the countryside actually reminded me a little bit of Switzerland. I mean, you don't have Mm -hmm. as dramatic of the mountains, but the rolling hills and, and the and the cottages on the hillside and stuff like that. I was blown away by the natural beauty of, yeah, of the country. Yeah, it's a gorgeous place. Yeah, it really is. And um, I could see that becoming, you know, one of those places that becomes a fairly big tourist destination in the next 10, 12, 15 years. Maybe even sooner, but gaining some steam there. Um, Agreed. Yeah, but for me, the eating—the reason I loved it so much—and it, it does boil down to really just one thing. <laughs> I, think and, I know where you're going. Uh, this is the shivapi there. Oh and, yeah. Um, <laughs> so shivapi, explain shivapi, Nick, to to people who don't know what it is, because it's like their fast food, but it's just so good.
1: Yeah, so it's like it's sort of like uh, the size and texture of a breakfast sausage. Without that kind of spice. So it's usually made from beef since most people in Bosnia are Muslim. So it's these little beef sausages. And you buy them, what, like? um,
0: 5, 10, or 15.
1: Yeah, packs of 5 or 10. And then you usually get some like Bosnian pita style bread. So like this fresh baked thin bread and a a spicy uh, pepper dip. Um, and just that and a cold beer, that's, wow, that's more than enough.
0: Yeah. And so we had gotten there and, and we've been told to eat shavapi, right? And I don't know what they're called. You're going to have to learn this when you move there. But like a shavapi store is called like a shavaparia. It's not that, <laughs> but, you like know, that. it's yeah. this long word that I can't pronounce. But they're all over. And, and some of them are just little stands and some of them are little restaurants. And we went to one the first night and we're like, oh, this is good. It's like those brown, like you said, brown and served sausages. They look like they're better than that. And yeah, they get the pita, and then they had the uh, like a cheese. Like sometimes they have a pepper thing, or they have like a, a cream cheese, like a, a yeah. thicker cream cheese. And we went to the first place the first time. We're like, oh, that was all right. And then someone said, no, go to Jelgo, which is the name of the um, of the football, the soccer team in Sarajevo huh. or one of them. And it's spo- It's either the sponsor of the team or the team <laughs> owns the restaurant. I don't or know. vice there's, versa. Yeah, yeah. there's some symbiotic relationship there. And. Like, that's where you got to go. And we walk in. Heather doesn't like sausage even, really. We go in, and we're like, oh, let's just get five. Like, who would eat 10 of these little things? We <laughs> get five. 25 bring, later. Yeah, yeah, they bring it over. Exactly. We we just housed it. That was the first time I ever liked onions, because they give you a big plate of raw oh, onions. Yeah. And I'm like, I hate onions. I'm not going to eat them. And everyone else was eating it with onions. And I tried it, and I thought, oh my gosh, I like onions. It was an epiphany, man. Now I eat onions all the time. So, <laughs> Again, I think it's the experience, <laughs> the right? The dish it's
1: that like, turned Travis to onions. It I turned like that.
0: me to onions, man. Now I eat them raw all the time. So Shavapi, I just loved it. Um, in St.A.R.A. where the places. Yeah, Gelgo, Zeo. Gelgo, I'll write that down. G-O, there's like two of them. They're right downtown. And it was just awesome. So yeah, we did like, we got another five and we got another five. And then we went back later that night and it was just so good and it's so cheap. And they literally just bring it. I mean, you go, you sit down, you order and it's, to you within a minute because they oh, have it all made. It's fast food, yeah. Um, so, Shavapi is why Bosnia and Herzegovina is my number four. I will say, too, the other food's good, like the, uh, the Burek, which yeah, is the, really good. What is it, like filo dough?
1: It's filo it's dough, dough. It's probably like two or three inches thick, and it usually comes in like cheese or meat or spinach. Yeah. Um, and you just basically they make these, what are they, like pizza sized things just a lot thicker, and then they'll cut you off a slice and then they weigh it and yep. you know it's usually like a dollar meal yep. of just like greasy filo dough with cheese or meat or something like that it's I love Burek it's yeah, good
0: it's really good and the coffee's supposedly totally awesome there oh, I do yeah. coffee but there's another plus so Bosnia and Herzegovina so if you do end up moving there as, yeah. it, as it seems likely Hopefully. that you'll be living in Sarajevo um, maybe maybe Bosnia and Herzegovina will move up on our list yeah, or maybe might. it'll it move down might. maybe we'll get sick yeah. of it <laughs>
1: you knows. know it's possible um,
0: you're number three
1: my yeah. number three and uh, I, I'm sort of battling in the rankings here in my head. I would say Spain. Um, so I'll discuss why it fell to three um, when I get to number two. But I I love the style of eating in Spain. I love like the pinchos or the tapas. And you go into um, like basically a bar and order a drink and then get the hors d'oeuvres with it. So I remember the first time I went to Spain. It was I think 1998. It was when France won the World Cup. We went and visited friends. My dad and I landed in Madrid, and then like we drove around the south. And all I remember being very good about Spanish food at the time was was just the jamon. You know, going in a restaurant, having them slice off from that leg of, of pork, just an awesome like buttery, perfect jamon. And then the rest of it, I don't really remember liking the food at all. I remember like weird asparagus dishes and all that kind of stuff. And then since I've been back, and uh, especially in Barcelona, Marissa and I were in Barcelona a couple of years ago, um, there was a, actually, I mean, I, I was a little sad to admit this, but there was, like, a chain of, I guess they call it pinchos in the north, yeah? Like, it's, like, the tapas of of northern Spain. And you go in and you order a glass of a cava, like the champagne, and then they had, it was almost just, like, canapes. They had, like, slices of fresh bread with, like, 30 or 40 different toppings, and it was all pre-prepared, and you just, like, point it at one or two. And oh my god, it was I'd have like 20 of these things. You know, it's the most random things. Like some would just have like, you know, like a grilled scallion with a sauce on top, like the most basic things. And it was just life-altering. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, and then the seafood is fantastic. I've never actually been to San Sebastian, but I hear it's one of the best food places on earth in the north. Um, and then, you know, like Madrid has these awesome restaurants and a slightly different food food culture. And then Marissa and I also went to this like really nice restaurant and had, you know, like the three hour long, uh, 12 course tasting menu with like these awesome olive dishes, really good squid, good fish. Um, and then this just world-class wine on top of it. And that was in Barcelona. So yeah, no, I, I love Spanish food.
0: Yeah, I would, I would concur that Spanish food is definitely, um, it 's awesome, I, I, again, their style of eating the fact that they eat all day long is something that I absolutely love, and then they they you know when you 're done eating, you have to go take a nap. Um, how can anyone hate on that? but um, yeah, overall, Spanish food's good, and I do love again kind of that that easy style like we were talking about with French food, obviously you can go to to high end Spanish restaurants now it 's not known as much for it as France is no, nowhere in the world probably is um, for their high end restaurants, but I like the Hey, let me get some, let me get a bocadilla. Like, let me go get just a piece of bread with random meats in it and and eat that and walk around. Let me get those little, basically, um, like, I guess they're, I, I don't know, like the bruschettas, like you were saying, little pieces of bread with random stuff on it, um, finger foods. Uh, yeah, Spain has got some pretty awesome food in its own right. And the seafood when you get to the yeah, coast. seafood is fantastic. Is is really fantastic.
1: I think the thing that holds Spanish food back a little bit and maybe I, the thing about this maybe I like French food a little bit more, but that's that's so my subjective rankings are already coming into question. <laughs> but um I, I think Spanish food when it's done poorly is is pretty bad. Um I, would agree. I I I think, you know, there's so much oil in the food that if it's overdone, it it gets really greasy, it gets really kind of weird. And I think you know it, it's possible for uh, for it to go to go badly.
0: Yeah, I I do agree with that um, Spanish food just off my list again something that could be on there and probably will be if I end up going spending more time there, especially going to Barcelona because I've never made it there. And uh, oh man, you ha- oh yeah, you that, that got, should your, change your my sister perception.
1: lives in Spain. You should I, be there at least <laughs> once a year.
0: I, don't know, I thought you were going to say at least once every couple months, which is also true. Um, yeah, have the excuse to go there. So my number three, and I'm going to be throwing a curveball again here a little bit, and um, this is Slovakia, and... <laughs> This is based on uh the strength of one particular restaurant basically and one dish more or less. So there was a, there was a lot of good dishes we had there. And the restaurant is in Bratislava. It's called the it's got some long crazy name, but basically it's called the Flagship Restaurant. And I think again in my mind I had pictured when I when I went to Slovakia. I was really excited to go to Bratislava because it's right near Vienna but you know, completely different. Like you basically cross between those and it's like here's western Europe, now you're in eastern Europe. And the the difference in the train stations is about as stark as it can get. And uh so I was just super excited, right, about being in eastern Europe for the first time, really. I we go to this place and it's called the flagship restaurant and it's in in an old theater. It's a huge, or like a concert hall, like like a real theater, not a movie theater. You You go through this little door and you're like, where am I? I'm in the right place. You walk up these huge spiral staircases to the second floor and it just opens up. There's a huge stage in front of you and this wide open amphitheater with really long wooden tables and then like a mezzanine above you. And it just, to me, that was what a Eastern European beer hall should be. And that's, in my head, what an Eastern European beer hall looked like. So when I got in there, I thought, whoa, this is this is it. Like, this is the prototypical Eastern European beer hall. And the food there, I mean, A, it's super cheap, uh, always a plus. But the food is just fantastic. We sit down, a beer, like a huge stein of beer was like a dollar. You know, wine was cheap and actually pretty good. And then, you know, we got the traditional dish, which is uh, halushki, which... Um, is I guess made a, a bunch of different ways in Eastern Europe, but the way that they make it in Slovakia is it's kind of like really tiny nokis, like, like really small, like a little bigger than a piece of rice, but a uh, pretty small. And they're these little potato balls, and then they cover it with this crazy amount of melted, awesome, creamy cheese. And then they put the saltiest bacon I've ever had in my life on top. And so you've got potato balls. Drenched in this cheese, it's not even really a sauce, it's more like a soup and um covered with really, really salty bacon, which the bacon would be too salty if it wasn't cut by the fact that you have so much cheese in it um, <laughs> dude it's a heart like you feel like you're having a heart attack as you're eating it, and it's you actually then think. If I did die of a heart attack, I would I die. Think it would happy.
1: be worth it—a a yeah. true once-in-a-lifetime experience.
0: It's it's awesome. Um, and so we had a few other restaurants. It was pretty good. Definitely at this flagship restaurant, it was the best. And then, yo, know, we went back. So we were there in, in Bratislava four days, and we went to this restaurant five times. <laughs> so we're talking lunch <laughs> and dinner some of the yeah. times. And um, they have awesome like they did a lot of grilled food. So we'd get like a huge grilled chicken breast. Oh, they had awesome. this amazing cheese spread that you put on this. Like they said, one piece of toast is what we thought. We're like, oh, it's kind of expensive. Like, I hey, know our mind's a dollar right for one piece yeah. of toast. No, it's like a loaf of bread and like a vat of cheese spread. <laughs> um, and they had the probably the best grilled vegetables I've ever had really? in my life as well. So you have to eat some veggies, even though they're drenched yeah. in oil, as you're eating the halushki because you know you're counteracting. I just love the Slovakian food. So to me, when I was reading Thrillist's ranking and they had it, you know, in the 30s, I thought, man. Slovakia deserves more credit than that yeah and
1: that's what I like about accessing travel through food because you do get these like one or two meals that totally change your perspective on a country you know and it especially Slovakia I heard you say that and was like oh my god what is Tres talking about (laughs) but I could see through an experience like that especially multiple experiences like that how that would totally change your mind about a country you know
0: yeah. I that And that is the thing. Like, do I know much about Slovakian food outside of what I ate at that restaurant? Not really. Maybe that was just this exceptionally good restaurant, which it was, but overall, yeah, that, that is my experience. Right. And, um, I'm sure Slovakian food, like, yeah, isn't known for its inventiveness and stuff like that, but you go there and, uh, you find, and we love trying different restaurants, but when something's that good, we're like, let's just keep going back and going back. And, um,
1: especially in Slovakia where you know it's probably not going to be able to compare with with something that's that good, you know.
0: Exactly. So Slovakia, my number 3, and if anyone is in Vienna, it's worth the day trip to go over to Bratislava and we'll talk about Bratislava maybe in another podcast, but um it's worth it to go to Bratislava because it's an awesome little old town, but it's also a really different feel and you've always been a big proponent of Eastern Europe and been the one who kind of talked me into it. And um, I love it. I just love that it's it's grittier than Western Europe. And it's just a diff- a whole different vibe from what you get when you go to the Spains, the Italy's, the Austria's, the Germany's.
1: Yeah, it, you know, there's an edge to it, which I always like in, in travel. And I think you definitely do, too. And yeah, it, what always has amazed me is I think Bratislava and Vienna are a perfect contrast, you know, they're like an hour apart from each other and they're worlds apart, you know, it's it's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, it really, really is. So uh Slovakia number three, another curveball. So we got Bosnia number four, Slovakia yeah, number three on my list.
1: I, Not I like what it, people Travis.
0: expected. Yeah. Um getting into the, the big boys now, uh what is your number two?
1: So my number two is Croatia. All and right, me too. I, so
0: we might as well do this together. Yeah,
1: that's good. At least we lined up on this one. And I think Croatia for me is is very much what like Bratislava and and Slovakia was for you. You know, it was the first place I went in Eastern Europe. I'd been in Italy and my brother was like, "Oh, let's go to Croatia for a few days." So we went down and you know, I was amazed that we'd left basically Venice that morning and by the afternoon we're in uh in Istria like the peninsula in northwestern Croatia. And it felt very Italian to a certain extent but then felt like something I'd never felt before, you know? And my god, like the food there, I just love it. Awesome seafood. You know, it has awesome such heavy seafood. Awesome awesome seafood, seafood, such heavy Italian influence that like the Italian food itself is fantastic. And even things that we always think of as Italian food, a lot of it's Croatian food like prosciutto. You know, there's as much of a prosciutto tradition in Croatia as there is in Italy. Um, white truffles like this, you know, the one of the most uh, noteworthy Italian ingredients actually all come from Croatia. Um, so I think you kind of... You know, you kind of miss that perspective on things if you don't really think about Croatia in that
0: way. Yeah, it is. Um, I was I was shocked. I, I I guess I don't know why I was shocked, but for us, you know, going to different countries like you go between Italy and Germany, that touch, and it's so di- or that's so different, or Switzerland and Germany, or you know what I mean? Like you yeah. know little distances, everything's so distinct. But when we got to Croatia, I was surprised how italian it felt not right not in the people as much as yeah the food and the culture um and it was i mean they do it right and oh man yeah you know if if anyone was to say like i've been to italy a few times this and that like is there somewhere else i would go you know if you like italy you're gonna love croatia as well or if you Mm -hmm. love italy you're gonna love croatia they're they're similar enough but you're right that they're distinct enough in that it is a completely different culture, and that they do things a little differently. And I would say, for for my money, the the beaches. I know we're talking food here, but the beaches in Croatia <laughs> are better than the beaches I've been to in Italy. Oh my god! Um, yeah, by far. Yeah, and the the food is almost as good, which I'm guessing our number one is probably the same. It might be. It um, might be. But yeah, going back to Croatia, and the, and again, I. It, I sound like I'm not that inventive or of a eater or, or that um, risky of an eater because to me, sometimes it, it does boil down to like, if you just told me I could only eat calamari in Croatia,
1: oh man, I would be, be, be fine.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I'd be like, all right, give me a year and I'll come yeah. back. I'll try every calamari place. And um, that, you know, when we first got there... We, we were actually a little disappointed in the food because everyone had said it was good. So I'm for the first like, day or two, and, and there was a place in Split that everyone told us to go called Buffet Fief, and they're like, this is the local spot. This is great. And I got the black squid risotto, and it was... Yeah. Okay, not really what I was expecting, wasn't that great. But then we went we walked by. I remember, this is funny, Nick. We we went for a run, right? Like up the the hill there and split up Moraine Hill or whatever it's called. And we're like, oh, we're gonna get in shape while we're here in Creation. We went for a run, we're walking back. We pass a place, these people are eating calamari and french fries. And we're like, that looks so good. <laughs> That's what we're yeah. yeah. So we're like, let's just sit down. And we sat down. It was buffet fief again yeah we got the Calamari. It was fantastic, and the fries and yeah there's just there's really, really good seafood. I actually had the best pesto i 've ever had in my life, which yeah, again it. similar to you know people think Italian right, and things like that in Dubrovnik, at a place called Wanda's like i literally I got so sick that night because I ate so much of it, but i I was basically drinking it like i wasn 't even bothering <laughs> with the bread, I was just spooning it into my mouth but yeah and, and there's a lot of a lot of good, different food like pizza. Again, an Italian type yeah, thing. They really do pizza, pizza really well. So,
1: yeah, and I, I think the meal of my life was was in Ravini in the north in Istria, and it was when I was studying in Germany and went down with some friends. And uh, you know, Ravini is one of those towns in Istria that was had like a number of islands off the coast, and then they gradually filled it in. So now it's uh, basically a peninsula with a little town and a church on the top. And it's gorgeous, and I was actually just back there this summer, and it's really, really uh, packed with tourists now, so it it felt very different. But when I was there, I think it was like 2004 in that summer, and we were just walking by in the old town, and there was a door with like a paper sign on it that just said restaurant, and we ducked our heads in, and there was like a woman's apartment with four or five tables on it, and we like made a reservation, came back that afternoon, that evening, and sat down and the woman was like, okay, I'll serve you now. Like there was no menu. We did not get to order anything. And it was like a seven course meal of just different kinds of seafood. I don't even remember what the food was. It was just like one, you know, one course after another, just awesomeness. And I think just that experience and the food and everything together, man, it was absolutely perfect. And when I was back this summer, I was looking for this place and, uh, I couldn't even find it. Like, I, oh. I I might not even exist anymore as a restaurant, but I couldn't even find the door. You know, it made you think that it was just like some fever dream. And, <laughs> and like, I totally imagined this thing. But yeah, I, it was, oh man, it was awesome. And I think Croatia, more than a lot of places, has that, you know, knack for for awesomeness that you just don't know what you're going to find around the next corner, you know?
0: Yeah, it's still off the beaten path enough. I mean, obviously, that's changing very quickly. You know, I have friends who don't travel near as much as as we do, and I'll only take a a trip a year or maybe even two trips a year, and, you know, they've been to Croatia. So it's it's certainly on everyone's radar. It'll never – it's not like going to Georgia or going to Bosnia, but it – it's still, you can find, there's plenty of places where you find pockets, you know, outside of Dubrovnik, which is amazing, and, and Ravini, and, you know, even Split to some extent. You know, those are pretty big tourist hubs because people come on the cruise lines and get off and, you know, spend a day or two there. But there's still plenty, and you would know even better than me, but there's still plenty of little towns that you can oh, yeah. explore. all and, over the place. And yeah, and even in those tourist areas, like even in Dubrovnik and Split, we were finding, once you got out of like the right where the basically cruise ships let people off there's still a whole unexplored place because a lot of people are only going to Croatia for a day or or two days or three days they're not you know going and spending a week or two there typically or at least in one area so there's plenty of little nooks and crannies um I bet that lady. She probably just needed money, right? She was yeah, like, "She probably did." I need, I need some money real quick. Uh, throw a restaurant sign up and, and uh, serve anyone who comes in. And of course, her
1: house at the time was probably worth like twenty thousand dollars, and now it's probably worth millions or something like that. So right. she doesn't need to cook for people anymore. Yeah,
0: she's making out well. But and that's one thing we have. I've never had you on to do your your favorite meals. Heather and I have done plenty of podcasts. Like, what's our actual our favorite meal? So would that be? in your top one or two favorite meals of all yeah, time.
1: Definitely top five. You yeah. know, there's there's a few even outside of Europe that uh, that might compete with it. But in terms of like awesome memories and awesome experience and really good food, I think that's definitely the top five.
0: All right. Well, we both love eating as people know at this point. <laughs> so we'll bring you back on to do your your absolutely, your actual favorite meal. Oh, that it might is, be tough. Well, it's so cool because it is, it's the experience. Like the food is I would say the food's probably 60% of it and the experience oh, yeah. is at least 40% of it. So just like my, my time at a uh, flagship restaurant in Bratislava. So, all right, we're going to, that Croatia, my number two as well. Awesome place. Go if you haven't been, you'll love the food and you'll love the, you'll fall in love with the country as well. Number one, I mean, I'll ask you your number one. I'm guessing since we haven't heard it on your list or mine yet, that it's the same. Yeah, I think it probably is. So, what is Italy? It? Italy yeah, is it Italy. Yeah. Of course. I mean, yeah. could there be a different answer? I mean, I guess there could be. We could say, "Oh, Croatia's better than Italy," like, you know, be a little counterintuitive there, but it I mean, come
1: on. I I think so until this last trip I uh we were in Italy uh two or three years ago. Until that trip, it I don't think it would have made my top 5. I'd only really? in Italy I'd only been to uh like the large cities. So I'd been to Rome and I'd been to like Venice and Milan and Florence and I'd had meals that I'd liked, but I had a lot of meals that I really didn't like. Um, and I remember in Venice, you know, you, I paid like 15 bucks and basically got like chef Boyardee served to me.
0: Is there a good meal in Venice? I don't think I don't there is. I don't think so. I don't
1: think there's anything good in Venice, but I probably shouldn't I, say that publicly. Well, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with
0: you. It's probably one of the most overrated places I've ever been in, in my life. But it, then
1: you look like and I just watched the Anthony Bourdain where he goes there a couple weeks ago and uh, he, you know, spends very little time in the main part. And then there's like these outlying islands that are, I think, much more Italian and much less touristy that look awesome. So I think it's something you just need to spend your time and know where to go. Right. Uh, but I've never had the chance to do that.
0: I would agree. And and everyone I talk to about eating in Venice is always says, like, oh, it's only overpriced tourist places. So I, I had a decent meal. Like, we spent four days there, and that's a lot of eating for us because we're eating out every meal then. And I, I can only remember one decent meal, and the others were, like you said, definitely below average and overpriced. Yeah, but, but that said, yeah, yeah, we're not talking about the bad parts of Italy or, or the bad meals. That said, um, it's number one for a reason. What are some of the places that you've been or the meals that you've had that why is Italy number one for you?
1: So I really like Italy for like this concept of agriturismo, which they do better than anywhere else in Europe where you go and it's basically, and they're, they actually have an awesome website. I'm sure I've told you about it in the past where they break it down by states and regions of Italy. And it's basically then just like a, bread and, a bed and breakfast, but that also serves dinner. Um, so, uh, two or three years ago, when Marissa and I were there, we did a road trip. We had Pepper, you know, we flew her with her with us from India. Which our is dog?
0: Your, which is his dog? Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: And just uh, we drove around and stayed at these different agriturismo places, and we stayed at one in in Piedmont. So in the north, it was basically like you know, this old castle that a family had bought in the nineties and had gradually refurbished. And, uh, you know, we had dinner there our first night and again, no menu. It's just like four very basic courses with the wine that they grow on their, you know, their, uh, in their own vineyard. And, um, oh my man, it was just fantastic. Like just wonderful, uh, risotto, awesome pasta, really good meat. Um, and so we did that in, in Piedmont. And then we also did it in, uh, in Tuscany and not really inland Tuscany, but more out towards the coast. And we just stayed basically in like a people's house and they had apartments there and uh, cooked for us. And what was awesome was that, you know, the, I think the agriturismo restaurants for dinner were only really open like three or four nights a week. And we got there and they were actually going to be closed for the next two nights. And we were a little disappointed and we're like, oh, you know, well, where's good to eat around here? And I guess it was March or April, so it was a little bit of the off-season. And they recommended restaurants, like, you know, not in that same town, but two or three towns away that we'd have to drive to. And those were two of the best restaurant experiences of my life. I mean, in Piedmont, they sent us to this town that was two, two or three towns over, and we drove there and parked in the square and it was like a dead town. You know how like a lot of rural <laughs> Italian towns feel like nobody lives in them.
0: Yeah. You're like, this is a beautiful town. Can I just move in and yeah, spot exactly. these houses? it's so no weird.
1: And, um, so yeah, we went to this town and like found the one place that had a light on and it was that restaurant. And it was this like subterranean cavern and oh my God, it was fantastic. Like steaks and some of the best food of my life. And then again in Tuscany, we, uh, when the, when the agriturismo was closed, they sent us to this seafood restaurant inland. So it was like 45 minutes from the coast. Nobody was in this town. It was like one of those little Tuscan hilltop towns. Um, so the last place on earth you'd think seafood would be good. And it was a husband cooking in the back, and his wife was the waitress, and no one else was in the restaurant. And they basically had this policy of we serve eight courses. <laughs> I go to the market, or the husband goes to the market every morning, sees what looks good comes back and cooks eight seafood courses and you tell them when to stop. So Marissa made it through like six courses and I of course was not going to say no to food and I made it through eight and it was, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like all sorts of random fish, all sorts of like different styles. Oh yeah, that was one of the meals of my life too. It was just fantastic.
0: So now we don't have to do the podcast. Now we have three of your yeah. top 5 meals right <laughs> exactly. now. Exactly. I I'm with you. I think you hit on it really well what's so special to me about Italy. Sure. I mean, we all know Italian food is awesome, right? But truth be told, I'm not even a huge Italian food fan. Like that would not be one of my top choices if I was in the States, right? And I know it's different, but you know, I I love pizza, probably my favorite thing to eat. But pastas and stuff like that, you know, I, I could take it or leave it. Like, it's, if it's done right, it's it's great. But um, there's other things I like more. But I think it it is that that idea that because I've had some really bad restaurants in Italy as as well. And I think you have to know which ones to go to. And that idea that you have these agriturismos or these or these tiny towns with these small restaurants where you know, you wonder like, how do these stay in business half the time you're going in and they're they you know, it's not expensive and they're giving you these awesome meals. But if you know where you're going, and this isn't to say that you can't like wander around Florence or Rome and find good spots because we did, but they're the good food is done so much better oh, than anywhere incredible. else in yeah. Europe. So if you get that, which, you know, and again, that comes from asking locals, like when I recommend restaurants, it's all from like we'd stay in airbnbs or apartments in your uh, in Italy and we'd ask the locals and they'd give us recommendations and there was one that like Madonna ate at that they gave us this recommendation wasn't that great in Florence but everything else like the best pizza uh, heather swears the best pizza in the world it's it's up there for me there's this place called la facacia in Rome we never would have found it you know we stayed at this at this apartment this guy barely spoke english but he just said like this is where we go for the best pizza, and it wasn't anywhere near his apartment. I mean, we're talking like, you know, like a forty-five minute walk, <laughs> and uh, through like Rome, like all the other yeah, side. Yeah, near and, enough. Yeah, yeah, and it was amazing. And then, as you mentioned in Tuscany, we we were we rented a place on Airbnb, but it was like an agriturismo. They had renovated this old barn. People have heard us talk about it on the podcast, I'm sure. We will link it in the show notes because we did a whole post about it. But Francesca and David, we stayed at their place for three weeks, and the food they cooked us there was, you know, we weren't even expecting them to cook it because they, they, they didn't operate that way. It was just a singular apartment, but they kept saying, like, why don't you come over for dinner tonight? We're going to do this. And, and then, like, it came to, like, every other night, they were having us over for dinner, and we're talking crazy barbecues and, and ribolita, which oh, is... Oh, man, yeah. And, like, they had us make pizza. They taught us how to make um, classic Italian pizza in their pizza oven, like, and they're out there a pizza oven. That was, I mean, that food was incomparable, and it, and it was only found because we were in this one place with these people. But I think you get that a lot with the people who open their homes up to people. They're just normal people know how to be incredible chefs. Yeah. And I think that's part
1: of what's awesome about Italy, too, is that when you are out of the cities and it's not like this direct commercial transaction, it where like the heart and the generosity of people. And it sounds kind of cheesy, but you notice that in Italy, I think, more so than other places in
0: Europe. And I think because in Italy, so many tourists come that it's, you can easily just do the tourist stuff, right? Like these other places have that same vibe, but there isn't as much of a tourist trail where Italy you're talking. I mean, this is as touristed as you can get. So when you get out of that and see the other side, it's such a distinct difference.
1: Exactly. And I think they notice that too. I think they, they like, you know, most of these places that you go to in the middle of nowhere in Italy, they're not used to seeing random Americans wander in and, you know, Tr- want to try everything. So I think they really appreciate that.
0: I, I totally agree. And I think two other things that, well, I have to mention my second favorite uh, restaurant of all time is a place in Florence. It's just a sandwich shop called Alliantico. So I do a thing that we're like, you know, we rate it out of a scale of five, right? Restaurants who have been to it. And I I literally only have three restaurants I've ever rated like a five. And Alliantico Antico <laughs> is one of them. Yeah. Um and it's this sandwich shop in Florence. I think it this is really highly rated on TripAdvisor. I think this is the one that we found on TripAdvisor because it's it's like number one in Florence, which, you know, is saying a lot. And then it's like number one in the world or number three in the world. Um, but just the sandwich shop where I mean oh, that's awesome. five euros, this sandwich is as like, it's two full meals. They have a self-serve wine bar. So if you're in Florence, head to Antico. But I also love that they do like the gelato is to die for, especially Ooh. in Florence. Oh, yeah. For me, I had pretty good gelato everywhere. But in Florence, I thought and maybe it's yeah, going to spend Florence more time, the time there. Yeah, I thought it was the best. And then I love the idea of aperitivo, which is like Italian happy hour. And you go and buy one drink for like five or six euros, and then they have a crazy spread of food that's like a free for all. So that's an easy way and a good way to eat really cheap in Italy. We'd hit that up quite often, um, like when we we're in cities and stuff.
1: Yeah, and I think you know part of what's awesome about these countries in France and Italy and Spain is is eating as as they do there. You know, and I think especially in Italy where it is so course-based and you know you need to eat the pasta at this time in the meal and then you need to eat the meat at this you know it's it's very specific and i think a lot of americans go and want to be like oh i'll just have that pasta then and do this then and it you kind of lose something you know and i think sort of just following your waiter's lead a lot really makes a difference
0: one well, i think um, i think as well taking the time like we're so used to eating fast like oh, i'm going to go and i'm going to get lunch i'm going to be out in 45 minutes like if you you can do that in italy but if you just as you said if you wander and meander and you make eating as we love to do basically the main part of the day <laughs> make
1: it your priority
0: you <laughs> yeah know. then you're going to have these incredible experiences and i do think that in italy i mean all these places obviously take pride in their food but i feel like in italy it's it's just different like it's such a part of the culture to yeah, do it you right you
1: can't escape it yeah,
0: yeah, you can't escape it. And they want to show you a good time. And when you do sit down and have these courses, like for them, like this is what they live for, some of these people. Even if it's not their job, like at these agriturismos, you know, they're they're doing other things or they're not professionally trained. But to them, it's like because they take so much pride in it,
1: yeah, they're going to blow you away.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: And I remember at a, this one restaurant we went to, the, the waiter was like, oh, I'm actually – you know, I'm a waiter, but in real life, I I want to make grappa. And I don't like grappa. Have you had it? It's like, yeah, it's like neither. drinking gasoline. <laughs> and this guy pulled out like a homemade bottle of grappa. And you know, since it's like wine leavings, he didn't see it as having any value. So he just gave us free grappa and like gave us a free grappa taste test. And it was like the greatest thing ever. I I don't like grappa now still, but those like three or four different tastes I had were Unbeatable. And I think those little five, ten minute experiences and seeing how central food is to people there really make a big difference.
0: Yeah, when we were at David and Francesca's in Tuscany the first night, you know, I had no I did not think they were gonna invite us to dinner. Like I went over to say hi and they let us in and this and that and they're like, oh, settle in. I went back over just to ask them a question. They they pull out this bottle of olive oil and they lived on like a little um olive grove. I, yeah, I guess they're called groves, right? They had an olive grove where they made olive oil and like, here, take this, you know, this is our gift to you. I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, just olive oil. No big deal. Right. And then we're talking, I'm like, do you, do you guys sell this? Like, yeah, this olive grove. They're like, oh no, it'd cost us too much money if we were to sell it. Like it's not big, you know, we're not big enough. And like, we would honestly have to sell each bottle of olive oil for a hundred US dollars. Like- <laughs> In order to yeah. make it. Like, in that's order how to make it, even, yeah. Yeah, it costs us. And I'm looking at this bottle of olive oil thinking, you just handed this to me. Then you're telling me it would cost $100. Not in any way that like, it wasn't in any way like, oh, Travis, you should give us $100. They were just mentioning it. And I'm just thinking, dude, you just gave me a $100 bottle of olive oil. And it was obviously awesome olive oil. But to them, it's like, that's just what you do. Like, why do they have an olive grove? Just because it's fun. It doesn't matter that it doesn't make them money. They're going to give it away as gifts, and they're never going to think twice about it.
1: Yeah. And I think an Italian or a French person or a Spaniard or whoever listening to this podcast would find it hilarious that we're going over these like, you know, minuscule parts of their eating culture that are second nature to them that for Americans, you're just like, oh man, this is, this is fantastic. You know, it really shows the difference between our, our cultures. I think
0: that is the beauty is that it is, it's second nature to them and that we can go and appreciate it in such a way. So yeah, I mean, Italy, I, we could talk at length about Italy. I think we've hit the big point is that, you know, there are, I think some people going are a little disappointed. Like I have heard some people be like, oh, the Italian food wasn't as good as I thought it was. Like you said, before you went back this this first time, and like, I kind of felt the first time I went, I thought, yeah, it was good, but I don't really get what the hubbub is about. And that's because I was, you know, I was just walking around mostly cities and kind of just eating wherever, not making an effort to like seek out the... Best places by asking locals and or then go off the beaten path and stay with people who are making meals in their home. That's where I think the magic happens. Uh, I totally agree. All right. So there we go. We've got Italy number one. I'll, I'll read my list and then you can read yours. Just to recap, everyone, in case you forgot, Italy one, Croatia two, Slovakia three, Bosnia and Herzegovina four, can we just call it Bosnia? Like, it's okay. Uh, yeah.
1: S- I think they call it B-I-H, just a B-E-H or yeah. whatever, just a,
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, Bosnia, number four, and Germany, number five. And your top five were?
1: Italy, Croatia, to, to mimic you, and then Spain, France, and Georgia.
0: Yeah, Georgia. I See, now I'm super excited. I got to yeah. get to Georgia. Um, guys, let us know as well. I mean... This is meant for disagreement, right? Oh, <laughs> I
1: think so. I think that's why people create lists, just to yell at each other.
0: Yeah, and that's why we read all of Thrillist Top 48 and picked it apart. We want you guys to pick apart our list, or what did we miss? What should have been higher? Um, there are a few countries we haven't been to. Portugal, you haven't been to, Nick. I would put Portugal right on that kind of, like, if I was ranking it like eight or nine. It's got pretty good food. Um but yeah, there's some country we haven't been to. So let us know. You can tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. Um, let us know your favorite European countries to eat or your least favorite ones. That, yeah, that, those are always interesting. Those too. are interesting for sure. Um, You can also leave a comment on the show notes at extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. That's where all our shows live. Find this. Get to the show notes. Leave us a comment in there. And if you're looking for other podcasts to listen to, Uh, If you want more about Europe, Nick and I did one, Best Winter Destinations in Europe, Episode 110. So if you want to sneak out of the U.S. right now and go somewhere or you're just planning for next year or in the future, check that out. And we also did um, Episode 97 and 98, our top 20 travel books. So if you're a book nerd like us, um, get in there, uh, check out those books. And spoiler alert, we'll be releasing another podcast very shortly about our top 10 cities in the world, which we're actually going to record this same day, but it won't be coming out until a little later. And I'm sure we'll be talking food on that as well, Nick. Yeah, maybe once or twice. Yeah, that plays a big role in if I like a place or not. I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Tortuga Backpacks. If you guys are looking for a good travel backpack, head to tortugabackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capital letters. I'll get you 10% off your order. And don't forget, if you want to hop on our email newsletter list... All you have to do if you're listening on your phone, pull out your phone, text PEANUTS to 33444. That will automatically subscribe you to our email newsletter list, and you will be getting all the new stuff that's coming out. We're doing a lot of cool stuff with Frequent Flyer Bootcamp, and we're also starting a new podcast that's related to your specific travel question. So all that you'll find out through our email newsletter list. Text PEANUTS to 33444. Nick, there's no one else I'd rather talk about food with than you, as <laughs> totally evident, agreed. by the hour and ten minutes yeah. that we uh, we just <laughs> it talked flew about by. only food. So thanks for coming on. Happy to do it, Trev. Awesome. Thank you guys for joining us today. Thanks for the continued support as always. And until next time, happy, free travels. I'll show you. Paris.